take the Word of God and turn to Luke chapter 10 once again. And we are thankful that for what the Lord has done in Tommy's heart. And you know, I, we should never get over our testimony and what the Lord has done for us and not be ashamed to tell it. And uh, he, Tommy just preached at a funeral recently uh, uh, for a traveling a traveler's funeral. And uh, no doubt, he, I'm sure he gave his testimony. And I'm sure the Lord used it. And the Lord can use what he's done in our life as a testament and what he can do in the lives of other people. And Luke chapter 10, and we'll look in verse 3. It says this in Luke chapter 10, in verse 3. It says, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And uh, in this text, the Lord Jesus has sent out 12 disciples, and he also has sent out 70 others also. If you look in verse 1 of Luke 10 there in the very first verses, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. And it's, it's interesting to note this prayer request of the Lord. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And uh, the title would, if I could title it, be pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Send forth laborers into his harvest. And and here in verse 1, it, this is near the end of an age. The Lord Jesus very shortly will be going to the cross. And there'll be an end of an age is coming, an age is coming to an end and, and there'll be a He'll, he'll, be, he'll be going to the cross and leaving them. And at the end of every age, there is a judgment that takes place. And I think of Noah and the ark. And uh, there, was, there was a judgment that, was, that had come upon the earth in the great flood. A judgment had, had, had fallen down. And, uh, and all those that were without the ark were destroyed. All those that were found in the ark were not destroyed. And, but at the end of an age, every single age, there's a judgment. And... I look at this as um, this this age that it, that ends in judgment is a harvest. That it, it this age that ends in judgment is a harvest. You think of this: what is going to happen? Like that great and terrible day, there's going to be a harvest. The Lord's going to bring His own unto Himself, and there's going to be a separating of of what? Separating of the wheat and the chaff. And I, that that is that is a picture of of the judgment. Those that are that that are all the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be brought unto himself, and those that will not will be cast off. There is going to be a winnowing process, a separating process. And here, this is similar to what is happening. There's, go, there's a great harvest. The Lord Jesus is looking at this harvest and says, it's truly so great. And he's, he's seeing the greatness of this harvest just before he's about to go to the cross. And they're preaching the kingdom of God. They're preaching that the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. The 12 disciples and the and then they've sent 70 other also, it says in verse 1. Two by two, they sent them out. And no doubt they were seeing that there was a great harvest to be reaped. And the Lord Jesus was really beseeching the disciples to pray. To pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. And um, it's interesting to note just some facts of this verse is that the harvest is great. Very Just something to note in this verse. It says there in, in verse 2, it says the harvest Truly is great. Uh, I think that that is implying a couple things. If you look at that word great, what does it say in the word of God? The great and terrible God. Does that mean 
great as in plenteous as it is here in this, in this verse. This word great means plenteous. But I think it's interesting how God divinely put that word great here. The harvest truly is great. Uh, he was not only meaning that the harvest is plenteous, but that the harvest uh, truly is, is the highest purpose of what we could live for. You know, God's great harvest, it's, there's a, that he is, it says that it's his harvest, but it says, he says that it is plenteous. And I think if not only is it large, it's vast, it's plenteous, but that isn't it the greatest purpose that we could ever live our lives for? Give, give ourselves even to be called a laborer into his harvest? What a wonderful opportunity. And the harvest is great. I would look at that as the highest purpose in a, in a human's life. Is this harvest? You think the, 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 God's eternal purpose really is pictured and the harvest truly is great. You know, God's eternal purpose has always been and always will be all throughout scripture that all the earth might know that there's a God in heaven. Now that is a great purpose to live our lives and to, to live to the glory of God and to let the earth know that there is a God in heaven. David, that's what drew David on. I've probably used this illustration about every message I preach, but I can't get away from it, it seems. He says, is, is, is there not a cause? As he goes out, no one was willing to face that giant. No, 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 no older man, no man who was of great stature and strength. But there was a young shepherd boy that just was beside himself that this giant would go out and defy the armies of the living God and would mock them and would run the name of our great God in the mud and, and, and of his people in the mud. And David could not stand for that. And he... He went out, he didn't use the armor, and he said he didn't, hadn't proved it. And he went out with just a sling and a stone. And he ran towards that giant. And David had a great purpose that he was living for. David saw that, hey, no one's going to do it. He was willing. He said, I'll do it. I'll face this giant. And he says that he came to him in the name of the Lord God of hosts. Isn't that a wonderful purpose, to live for the Lord God of hosts? To be... Uh, going in the, in the name of the Lord of hosts. Uh, he had a great name. He knew he was living for a great name, the, the name that is above every name, the, the name of our great God, the one true and living God. He saw his purpose, and the harvest truly is great. It's vast. It's, it's almost, as you think about this verse, it becomes overwhelming. This past week when I was praying over this verse, I was really, I was moved to tears, and I thought, the harvest is great. Truly, the harvest is, is, is massive. But not only that, but it's, the, it's really the greatest purpose that we could live for. And the, the harvest truly is great. That's the first fact that we see. But we see something else here. The, but the laborers are few. I want you to notice something. The harvest is great. It's plenteous. And we should be praying for the, the early and the latter rains. You know what helps the harvest? Is whenever there's a good rain. And then it germinates the seed into the ground. But you know what even makes even a fuller harvest? is whenever you get some latter rains. Any farmer will tell you, I'm no farmer, but any farmer will tell you that they really, I've heard some men tell me before, oh, we're really just hope, praying and hoping we see some, some, some rains here at the end to bring us a full crop. Now they're talking about uh, that they've seen some rows that are standing, but some of them aren't quite completely full. There's been some seeds that haven't been germinated. And they're asking for, for a latter rain, for another rain to come. And they're there before the harvest will be reaped. And God's people should be doing the same thing with, with this great harvest. We should be praying for a, for, a, for a latter rain. And here, this harvest is great, but the laborers are few. That means there's not a lot. Um, 
It also means this, laborers. You know, I think we seek a title in God's work when the chiefest of all titles could be that we're just a servant, that we're just a servant of the, of the king. James, in the book of James, it talked, he was a servant. Um, he was the half-brother of Jesus, but he, it says that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, the laborers are a few. That means there's not a lot. You know, we're just workers in his vineyard. The, this, this harvest is not our harvest. It's, it says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. That's another fact. This isn't our harvest. This is the Lord's harvest. And he is far more burdened for it than we are. Well, let, let us not doubt that at all by, by this request he's asking of these labor, of these disciples. But notice there are very few laborers. You know, I'm thankful that the Lord can do a wonderful work with just a few. You know, he, he is able to bring in the, all, all his harvest with just a few. He doesn't, now he is praying that there would be more laborers that would be sent forth into his harvest. But the laborers are few. I think of this, um, I've heard people say, oh, he's just a laborer. Have you ever heard that term before? If you've got the head man and then you've got his laborers and you go, well, these are just, just the laborers and you shake their hand as well and you think, well, they're just the grunt men. Have you ever heard that, thought of that? They're, they're just the men who do the grunt work. Oh, to be a doorkeeper in the house of our God. That, 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 I, th- I think of that just to be a doorkeeper in the house of our God. That is the, I would rather someone say, oh, look, he's just a laborer for the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is something today that this passage reveals to us, it's that the laborers are few. You know, they know, not many people really like that title, well, I'm just a laborer. But I can say this, it is the chiefest of titles when it comes to the Lord's work. Oh, that we could just be a laborer in his vineyard. We are just, we're not the ones that do the harvesting. We are the ones that sow the seed. Um, we, we, we have a great harvester, the Lord of the harvest. But we are called to sow the seed, to give out the word of God. What a privilege it is to give God's word. And it doesn't return void. Think about that word of God being in Tommy's heart for years. And then it, he said it came to fruition at year age 59. That's the word. That's what the word of God, the seed was planted when he was a young boy. And, and God's word worked effectually in his heart. And we're just people who are sowing the seeds. Tonight, if the task seems overwhelming, it's because it is. The harvest truly is great. It is overwhelming. But the laborers are few. Notice the says, pray ye, we're commanded to do something. The answer to the providing of laborers is found in, in this verse. It says, pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Oh, the, the harvest looks so great, and the laborers are safer. What, what are we to do? Let us, it says, pray ye, the Lord of the harvest. This is a command of the Lord Jesus. This is a, a prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ to pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And um, in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35, it says this. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And uh, here, this is a, a sister passage. When the Lord Jesus was moved with compassion, 
he told the disciples something. He said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. The Lord taught the disciples that they were to pray much. I think of the other passages in Scripture in the New Testament where it says pray without ceasing. We're to pray uh, continually, pray to, to be praying always with much supplication. The Lord taught his disciples, no doubt, there's one thing he taught them, it was to pray much. And then sometimes, I don't know if you've been there, but I have been, we think, well, what, seldom, what did he teach them to pray? That That's no doubt a question that I've asked many times, what am I to pray? But here, although he, he beseeches them often to pray, to pray without ceasing, could you not pray with me one more hour? But seldom he taught them what to pray. But here he left no doubt to, their, to what they should be praying for. He gave them very express, very expressly what they were to pray for here. And um, he many times we're left to be led by the, by the Spirit in our prayers. And the, and the Spirit does lead us in all truth. And we have a sense of our own need and the and we pray concerning our needs. What's it say in James? To uh, ask, uh, to, to ask of me wisdom. To ask, let us, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And really, you have to really come to to to, to, to ask for wisdom. You have to see something, right? You have to see that you're lacking in it. And that's that shows a sense of humility to see that you are lacking in wisdom. Many of us are quite too wise many times to to come to the Lord. That keeps us from praying. Our our pride keeps us from praying often, doesn't it? If we're honest, our pride keeps us from prayer. But here, the Lord taught his disciples to pray much, but seldom taught them what to pray. But there is one thing here that he does teach them. He does tell them expressly what to pray for here in our in our verse, in verse 2. In view of the plenteous harvest and the need for laborers, he beseeches them to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. He said, in light of how plenteous and how great the harvest is. He said, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. And we must cry to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. That's another fact of this text is that there are those who are being sent forth. I'm so thankful that we have a God who does command us to pray for laborers. But do you know who's, he's not only the Lord of the harvest, but you know who's doing the sending in this harvest? It is the Lord himself. It says here that he, who would send? He would send forth laborers into his harvest. And we're commanded to pray for this. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. God desires to do the sending. And it's his harvest. And he does do the sending of these, of these out. But we must cry to the Lord as we're commanded to pray for these laborers. And strange is it not to ask the disciples to pray for this. Don't you think it's strange? That he would ask the disciples to pray. He's the Lord of the harvest. This is his harvest. And he's asking these 12 disciples to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. Could he not pray himself? And uh, would not his prayers avail, one of his prayers avail much more than a thousand of theirs? What does that verse say? The, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Is the Lord Jesus Christ not the righteous? He, he is the right, the, the, uh, the Lord, our righteousness. Couldn't his prayers avail much more than any of our prayers? Why? He's beseeching them. And it's, and it's, it, all of these questions are entering. Could he not have prayed himself? 
and his prayers availed much more than theirs. And it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the God, the Lord of the harvest, could he not see that how great the need was that he wasn't going to be sending out laborers into his harvest? Would he not take care of his own harvest? And would not in his own good time send forth laborers without their prayer? Such questions lead us to the deepest mysteries of prayer. And it is this, I've been belaboring the point, but it is this, is that, you know, there is prayer and the power of the kingdom of God. You know, there's a connection between the kingdom of God and prayer and effectual prayer. And prayer does the providing for the laborers in this text. It's if prayer does the providing, prayer provides the laborers. Prayer is the power with which the ingathering of the harvest and the coming of the kingdom of God depends. Prayer is the hinge. Have you ever noticed, watched a door open and close? Sometimes they squeak. Sometimes they have trouble. Sometimes they catch. Prayer is the hinge on this door of this harvest that laborers are sent through. Prayer is, it, it bears all the weight of that door. And it opens us to have access, to have our part in this great harvest. And one of our major parts that God entrusts his, his church with, although he is the head, he is the Lord of the harvest, he is the head, but we are the body. And, he, and, and it's amazing to me that the Lord of the harvest would entrust laborers, no doubt, workers, into his vineyard, into his harvest. And he entrusts this work in prayer is one of those ways that we that, that we come in on this. It, Jesus is the truth, and in every word he spoke, he spake is the deepest truth. And he said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God in the book of James. And, you know, prayer is not a form, is it? It's not a show. Sometimes we, sometimes we enter in and when we pray in front of others, and I think we all have been guilty of this, for we've prayed to be heard of men. But prayer, prayer is an outpouring of our soul and our heart to God. And, and in this, in, in, in this text here of Matthew chapter nine, we see some things about prayer. It says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Prayer is not just some religious speech that we give to God. Prayer is getting specific with God about our need from him. I can't think of a greater need tonight than this need of the harvest. Whether we have many needs, but the, the greatest need tonight is that there will be laborers sent out into this harvest, this, the, into, the, into the Lord's harvest. And although you might not think it tonight, you'll think, well, God is the God of the harvest. And that's a wonderful thought. And, and, he, and he is the, the God of the harvest. But he entrusts his work to his people. And why, you say, well, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound, that, how can that be so? Would he not have asked us to pray? Would he not have, if, if he was not giving us a part? And he allows us to, to be a part of this wonderful work in prayer. All, all, of, all of these people that are sent forth in his heart hinges off one thing, if we'll ask. If you'll ask of God, he'll give it. If we'll ask tonight, we know that it, this is a prayer that's not concerning our work, is it not? It's concerning the work of our hands, concerning the work of God. And that's not a selfish prayer. But there's, there's rules in the kingdom of God, and asking is one of those chief rules. If, we'll, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God has designed it so, so he could just give it anyways. You wonder, why doesn't God just give it? He's designed it where men would ask him. He desires that we would ask. 
He, you say, he already, he's already capable and able, and he sure is. But he has designed it that we would ask of him, and we would cry out to him that he might, that we would be as burdened for the harvest as he is. Don't you see in this text, he's, Lord, the Lord Jesus is asking them to pray. He's, he, he's, he has just seen the multitudes, and he's so burdened with what he's seen that he's said, he's asked, he's called on them to pray with him. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And we see here in Matthew chapter 7, ask and ye shall seek and ye shall find. Ask and it shall be opened unto you. Knock and knock and it shall be opened. Seek and ye shall find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. And there are many times in scripture where God asks us to ask. You say, I, bl I believe this is one of the most wonderful Wonderful invitations to believers tonight to ask. If any man uh, uh, ask anything in my name, ask anything in my name that he will hear from heaven. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. There's many, many verses in Scripture where we're, we're commanded to ask. And I heard a story about Sir Walter Raleigh recently. He was he had access to the queen and very often he would go to the queen and he would ask her for things. And the queen said this to Sir Walter Raleigh once, when will you leave off this begging? And he said, when will you leave off this giving? And uh, he, had, he had been granted great access and he could go to the queen much and he, would, and he really used that. And she said, when will you leave off this begging, Walter? And, and he said, when you leave off this giving. And apparently she was very open to just keep continue to keep giving. We have the giver of heaven. The giver of heaven and earth that we get to go to. And can I say this? We'll never expend all of the giving that he has to, that he can, that he can give. We'll never expend his resources. And, um, in the book of James, isn't it interesting about prayer? This is the book of works. Show, show, show you thy faith, show me thy faith by thy works. And it's talking about the tongue. The two, the two big things in the book of James is the tongue. And then works. And isn't it interesting that it's repeated in James, these two themes. And he drops in this word, ask of me wisdom. Ask, and I'm going to teach you the greatest thing that you could ever come out of your mouth is whenever you talk to God in prayer. Why? What? He's showing us the greatest work that we could ever be involved in is this work of prayer. You say, I want to be used in God's vineyard. Well, then don't have to search for a place. We can just get on our knees. Daniel Nash, that prayer warrior, he, I just read a story re, uh, the, today while I was studying on Daniel Nash. It says that when he died, he died with a map in front of him and he was pointing his finger to different places on the earth that he was praying for. And I guarantee you one of his prayer requests was this prayer that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. Can you imagine dying with a map open in front of you and you're just praying for places that God would work? and send laborers and do a wonderful and mighty work. Daniel Nash knew, knew the secret. The secret was not in what he could do. The secret was in his, his time that he would spend with God. Many times, myself included, we, we think that we just need to be doing, doing this and doing that, and all our Christian life is measured by our doing. I think our Christian life should be measured by our praying. And if I were to measure my Christian life tonight, and if you were to be honest as well, we would not measure up. And... 
So he's teaching them in this book of James. The book, this book of works, that's showing your works, the greatest way you could show your faith is to pray and cry out to God. And John Bunyan had this quote, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. He's basically saying the chiefest work is prayer. And John Bunyan said, you can do more after you have prayed, but if you have not prayed, then you, then you can do nothing until you have prayed. And uh, just, just some thoughts on prayer as we look at this, as we look at this, the rest of this passage, and we'll move along here. But in verse 36 of Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Uh, and, and it says, why was he moved with compassion? Because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he called his disciples to pray for laborers to be sent to these sheep that were scattered abroad with not having a shepherd. He did so because he believed their prayer was needed and that their prayer could help. The work of God being, is being passed on and entrusted to these disciples. The Lord Jesus is about to step off the scene. And this work is going to be entrusted to his disciples. And he's going to do his work that he was called to do. And, and to cry out, it is finished. And he, and he did complete his work. But he's passing on this work to, 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 his, to his disciples. And they're going to be sent out. And the success, success of this work is going to depend on their their prayer, their praying. Many times we think that the success of the work of God is dependent upon us, do we not? When really it's dependent upon the supplier, the one that we go to. And um, we should go to the God of heaven. He's given us the authority to come to him for help and makes the, the, the supply dependent on their prayer. How little we as Christians today mourn and feel the need for the laborers into his harvest, the harvest field of the world. Do do you, are you burdened over this harvest that is great? Do you see that it's great tonight? We, we don't really see that the harvest is great at times, do we, do we not? Uh, there are times where I, I become a bit lethargic. I don't know about you, but I can just, I can. And I don't see the, that the labor really, the harvest really truly is great. But how little they believe that their labor was supply is dependent on prayer. You know the recruitment tool of heaven is prayer? Here in this verse, the recruitment, have you ever seen those signs that has a man pointing and saying, men want it? And uh, I, I always am intrigued by those signs. It's, men want it. And, and you know, it, it pulls on the heartstrings that they appeal to those men to, to hey, this is a great cause. Paul, oh, let's, let's go and fight for our country. What a wonderful, and it is. It is a worthy cause. Men want it. And, 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 and that they use that as posters of really appealing on men's manhood to, to, to sign up. And, uh, I think of that recruit, you know, the recruitment tool of Christianity is prayer. Now, just for a moment, I want to speak to you from my heart. I want to speak to you. If you don't get anything else this evening, what is the recruitment tool that laborers would, would be, would be raised up and sent forth into God's harvest? It's off our praying says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. This recruitment tool, this provision for the laborers is found nowhere else than in our prayer and asking for it. When is the last time that we've asked God for laborers into his harvest? When's the last time that we've been broken over how great we do see this, this, this harvest that is truly plenteous, as it says in Matthew chapter 9. And that we, and it's burdened us to pray to the point that, that, that we are, 
broken over it. Those fields that are perishing. You know, there's a dearth of laborers, and we could major on that in this in this verse. Uh, we could we could discuss that there are efforts being made, being put forth to supply this lack of laborers. There's so few laborers. We could we could discuss that that there is such a lack. We we could discuss many things, but how little is the burden of of us seeing the sheep without a shepherd, seeing the fields that are ripe unto harvest, seeing the fields that need to be reaping but will be left to perish. Yet so wonderful it is, the surrender of his work to the church, that he's made himself dependent on the work of their hands as his body, through whom alone his work can be done. You know, the, the, church, the, the church of the living God, gates of hell, he says, he, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, there is a, he's left the work, his work in good hands, the work of the church, and he helps the church as they labor for him. That is why it's in good hands, because they're in the hands of Almighty God. If, it, if the, the church are those that are found in Christ Jesus, then they are in, they are in the, the most blessed hands in all the earth. They, they're, they're in no safer place, no better hands to help guide them in their work for him and their service for him. But how little is our burden tonight? You know, there, there are two reasons why we don't cry out the more earnestly this prayer request of our Lord. There's two reasons why we don't why we don't do we don't pray this prayer of the master one of them is that we miss this compassion many times that the savior had on the multitudes it says in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion what does it say having compassion making a difference you know what we lack today we lack the compassion of what the lord jesus christ had Whenever he saw the multitude, yes, it was great. There was a great many people. But we lack that same compassion that he had as he looked upon them. And um, we could learn this first and chiefest commandment to, to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. But what does it say? To love the Lord thy God. And then what does it say right after? To love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, that compassion making a difference I, I, is, is really, I believe, is loving your neighbor as you would yourself, having compassion on them, showing them this wonderful love of the Savior. And is it not, is it not true when you show love to someone, it's not long, especially the love of, of a Savior that loves them despite their wickedness, despite their sin. And as we give this message, I think of, I think of Reuben tonight. I can't help but think of, he, he messaged me today and, and I didn't, I didn't mean to bring him up tonight, but, um, really Reuben, we tried to, to really convince him of these truths in the Bible. But there was one way. Reuben was hurting. And he could be loved to the Savior. Pastor mentioned that at his, at his baptism. And Reuben was loved to Christ. He, truly, he was shown the love, the really he was shown compassion making a difference. And if we're to, if we're to see the harvest that it is, truly is great and it truly is the, the purpose worth living for, then we're going to have to have compassion. The compassion that the Lord Jesus had and that he can give the compassion that will touch the hearts of those around us. But the second reason why we don't obey in this prayer request and crying out more fervently to praying for laborers into this harvest is that lack of faith. We really don't, we don't believe, we believe too little in the power of prayer to bring about definite results. 
We're not close enough, given enough to the Savior to have this confidence that we ask anything in His name. This is the confidence that you have, if you have asked anything in my name, that I will answer. We don't. We lack that confidence, don't we? That confidence that if we will ask anything in His name, that He will hear. But I believe if when our heart is aligned with the heart of the Lord of the harvest, we'll have no problems asking that He might send forth laborers into His harvest. Why? Because we see it as He sees it. His heart is, is formed in us and what he's burdened for, we become burdened for. And we begin to pray. And the, one of the things that we'll see is as we become like Christ and we're like one with the Lord Jesus, that his compassion will just flow out of us. You know, we don't naturally have a love for our fellow man. I know I don't. You can sit here and say all that, that, that you do. That you just naturally love everyone. But there are times where I really... People can get on your nerves. And you don't really have a love in your heart all the time for them. But if, as, if, as we are one with the Lord Jesus Christ, He can give us that compassion that can flow out, out of us like a stream. And uh, every there's a twofold blessing from this prayer. First, we'll see a desire and an increase of men to be given for this service of God. You know, what does it say in the Old Testament? That He looked for a man and He could find none. You know, it's a terrible state that the church finds them in. Whenever we look around and you can find, you can find no man who's willing to make up that hedge, willing to stand in the gap, and we're willing to, 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 to stand in the gap. We can ask God and He can give men who are willing to go. He can work this in the hearts of men. The, the chief gift of, I believe, that God gives with, is men filled with the Spirit of God. Tonight, we could have ministers or a dime a dozen. I've heard Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill speak on this many times uh, about there's so, so many ministers, but so few prayers. So many uh, this or that, but so, so few men of God are filled with the Spirit of God. And he's encouraged me when I've listened to him. But there is a difference, is there not? There's a difference than just ministers and people who are anointed by God. There's a difference. There's a marked difference. And may we ask the Lord to fill us with His Spirit and to help us. And here there was a there was a lack found in laborers. There were so few laborers. But then He asked us to pray that the Lord of Hearts would send forth more laborers into His harvest. And the head of the harvest asked its members to pray for more for more laborers. This the supply and distribution was hinged off prayer. The askers. You know, whenever we are asking, what does that make us do? As, as, as we'll pray, this is what I want us to do with this text tonight, is to pray this passage. Whether it be for 30 days, I don't know how long you ask God to pray, but if we'll pray this, this passage as a church, before you know it, God will even put it on your heart to go somewhere in the world. Or to just go to your, to people at your work. You'll be burdened praying for, for people to go to the harvest, and you'll be thinking, how can we really pray this, this prayer in faith, believing, if we're not willing to be ourselves laborers into this, into this harvest? How can we ask for laborers if, our, if we ourselves are not willing to go? We ourselves aren't willing to, 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 to work in, in, in the vineyard. And every believer is a laborer. Not one of God's children does not have a work that's waiting on him for a service that he can be involved in. It must be our prayer that the Lord would fill all with the spirit of devotion that not one may be standing idle in the vineyard. 
Whenever we lack of, whenever we have lack of workers in God's work, prayer is the supply. The command of Christ is to ask the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth laborers. And the supply is the pledge that it will be heard. Prayer is to provide in the need, is, is, is where to pray to provide in this need of the world. This world has a great need. They are as sheep not having a shepherd, those that are lost. And we are commanded to pray. You know, I, I feel so helpless when I talk with someone and they, and I give them the gospel and, they, and, and, and as I'm speaking with them, I think there's no hope for them. But we have the Lord of the harvest. And he's working on their heart. And he, and he can draw them unto himself. But we should remember that he is doing a work and it is his harvest. But may he teach us to pray and to see the harvest with compassion. This, although vast as it may be, there's fields that are perishing, undone without Christ. And may it stir us as his sleepy disciples. You know, those disciples, they were, they, what did they do there in the, in the garden before the Lord Jesus went to the cross? They, they were, they were sleeping. They were falling asleep when they had a wonderful work to be involved in. And you know what the church has done? We fall asleep. Sometimes we fall asleep on the work that we get to be involved in, in this work of prayer. Oh, that, that the Lord would teach us to pray. You know, it'll keep us praying for this harvest as, as we look, we look under the harvest. We see that it is great. And I think of this one last thing that I'll leave you with this evening that I feel the Lord pressing on my heart to say. And it is this. Those laborers that are so few in this text in Luke chapter 10, if you'd look at something with me, it says in verse, in verse one of Luke chapter 10, and these things the Lord appointed other 70 also, and he sent them two and two before his face into every city, place, whither he himself would come. And uh, I noticed this with the laborers, that it is not easy to take up your cross and to follow him, is it? It's not, it's not an easy road. You know why the laborers are so few tonight? Because in, it says there's three things that you cannot be my disciple in another passage in the Gospels. It says if you're not willing to love me above all else, you cannot be my disciple. You're not, if you're not willing to, to love me uh, more than your mother and your father and your brother and your sister, yea, even in your own life also, you cannot be my disciple. Many tonight, they won't be laborers in the Lord's vineyard because they love other things. They have a love, whether it be for money. You know, that's the, 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 the root, the love of money is the root of all evil. Whether it be a love of their own, their own life, their own self. Oh, they love themselves so much. But there are many today that they just have a love for something else than the Lord their God. We're, there, there are so many laborers that will not get in on this labor because they love that they don't have a love for the Lord. There's so few true disciples because their love is not where it should be. What was that in Revelation? He was writing to one of the churches and he was getting on to them because they'd left their first love. And that is something that can happen to us. But the labors are few because we love so many, so much else. That keeps many from being a true follower of the Savior. But then there, it says that if he's not willing to take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. That's a, that's, that's a picture of us giving up our own will. What did the Lord Jesus, when he went to the cross, he, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. 
And when the Lord Jesus was praying that, he's essentially praying, nevertheless, not, not my will, but thine. he was giving in on his will to, 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 to the, the Father's will. There are many today that they, they have their, their agenda, their will, and they do use it. And they think, well, I'll just live, I'll do what I want to do. All the while, the Lord is calling that the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. There, there are not many that will take up their cross and follow him. Yet he calls them to that. And we see that here. These men, these 70 were those that were willing to go. They were willing to be sent out. And even in this text, it talks about that they were willing to, what does it say there in verse 4? Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs amongst wolves. And then notice what they were, they were being sent forth. We have a God who is sending men and women forth. And I'm praying that God would send forth a wonderful group of laborers into his harvest. Every Christian is a labor, is a laborer in God's harvest. Whether they're laboring or not. But then the lastly, it says that if you're not willing to give all that you have for my sake, you cannot be my disciple. You know, there are so few laborers today because we're not willing to give up all that we have. And what did it say? The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his, lay his head. He, he, the Son of Man, uh, it says I, he had no, no place to lay his head. And nonetheless, he says, follow me. Here these men went out neither carrying purse nor script nor shoes and it said, salute no man by the way. May we ask the Lord to give us this compassion for this harvest. This compassion that would lead us to pray for it. Tonight be honest and let me be honest with God. Let us be honest with God. Have we been praying for this harvest? Are we moved with compassion that it moves us to pray? that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. This is a wonderful prayer request and of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he does, he does, he does beseech us to, to, to pray this prayer. And I'm thankful that he gives us a place in his work. That there, there are laborers. That there is a place in his work. I'm so thankful for it. And the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. May the Lord May we pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into his harvest. And let's just end with a hymn this